Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about these 10 biblical principles or 10 principles for life that are from the Bible. Now, listen, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure that if every person who tunes in today would add a few, and the rule is you have to add one biblical principle that, that, that is practical, that should go without saying, and that is simple, well, we could probably get 100 I mean, there, the Bible pertain, uh, contains all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I'll explain that a little bit more. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Hello, Sword and Pearl. It's good to see you. Um, wow, man, we got folks coming in. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, remember, the best thing that you can do to help the Christianity Now brand is to Tune in, watch for at least five seconds or three seconds, I think, I can't remember, and interact with the live stream, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, it doesn't matter where. Interact, like, subscribe, share, um, leave a comment, and that, that algorithm then says, you know what, this content's pretty good. I think I'm going to put it in front of other people, and what they'll do is they'll look at your profile and they'll say, oh, well, this person goes bass fishing. Well, I'm going to show it to a bunch of people over here that are bass fishermen. And a bunch of people who are bass fishermen who would never see Christian content would see the content here. So that's amazing how that works. And if you've got a dedicated following of people, which I think Christianity now does, then I think that's how a small platform like mine and Aaron's hits way above its weight, punches way above its weight class, I guess I should say. Hello, Terry Crooks. Good morning to you. Terry, refresh my memory. Somebody on the live stream was going through something that caused me to be sad. I prayed for them. I have slept since then. Was that you? I can't remember. Uh, it, Oh, well, I probably shouldn't have said anything since I can't remember. And that probably says a lot about me as a person that I can't remember. Anyway, Ben, ben Grady says five seconds is just too much. You know, sometimes it is. I've, I've, I've gone back. I try to listen to everything that I produce, everything that I put out. And I've put out some things in the past that I'm like, ooh, five, five seconds is just yeah, Ben, it is too much. I, don't, I wouldn't. I can't believe anybody listened to me at all. But that's why we do it. We want to get better. We want to do a better job, and we want to bring honor to the Lord that allows all of this to be possible. And we want to put out content that's pertinent and and enjoyable to listen to. A little bit of terrible puns and 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 uh, flat humor and all that good stuff. So we try. Uh, okay, Terry. Yes. That's, I, I hope, <sighs> how do I say this? I pray and, and, and the way I pray for folks in that particular stage of their life is that, um, all things are well, that there's peaceful, uh, very little pain, 
I remember whenever my dad, my dad had multiple myeloma. And I don't know if it's because I have been familiarized with multiple myeloma and now I hear it all the time. It's kind of like if you purchase a red truck and you think, well, man, I've got a really pretty red truck and nobody that I know has got a red truck. And then on the way home from the dealership, you see 957 red trucks. Well, I think uh, I, I probably know 15 or 20 people with multiple myeloma. In fact, the, uh, the man that we baptized a few years ago that had less than 24 hours, um, after he obeyed the gospel, he had 24 hours of time left on this earth. He, he lived on this earth, 24 hours, less than 24 hours as a Christian. Uh, anyway, he had multiple myeloma. Anyhow, my dad, he was probably in the sixth or seventh year of multiple myeloma and it was, it was gone. I mean, he, he was done. He was done fighting the pain, the suffering, the going back and forth to the doctors. And he, um, we had, we had this one final goodbye where, uh, I prayed and he prayed and he told me how proud of me he was. And then lo and behold, he rallied for two more months. I think he was really trying to see me graduate from the Memphis school of preaching and he almost made it bless his heart. And, uh, anyway, he ended up passing away. I'll never forget it. He passed away in the middle of the night. My, my final chapel speech, which is kind of a big deal for the graduating class was the next morning. And, uh, I stepped in front of the pulpit and I said, listen, I want you to lay siege to the throne of heaven on behalf of my father, but I do not want you to pray for his better health. I want you to pray for his ease of passing. So I said all of that to say that when I pray for somebody, Terry, that that's in your dad's situation, I, I really lean into God's will and, and let's, let's, let's pray for things to work out the way they need to work out according to God's plan and design. Anyway, I don't know. I may have made things worse, but may, hopefully my words have been somewhat of a comfort to you. John Exum, good morning. Reginald Perry, well, thank you, Sword and Pearl. We love the show, Tony. Well, thank you. Diana Merritt Harden, good to see you. Iva Potter is listening, and I think I've got that down now. All right, folks, um, as we go, to, as we go, getting into the podcast today, before we get into it, I'm going to do something a little different. I made a commercial for Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. And so this is going to be twofold. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor. So if you purchase anything from Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com, uh, you're supporting this, this platform, me and Aaron Dotson. It's Aaron Dotson's wife, and it's a business that she's trying to get off the ground. So you're, you're directly helping us when you support and purchase from her. But I've also, if you know anybody that needs any kind of project done similar to what I'm about to show you, I made this and I did the voiceover and stuff like that. Terry Crooks, surprisingly, he asked the Lord to forgive him and asked the church to baptize him. Terry, God be praised. Terry, that is amazing. I cannot imagine the weight that is off your shoulders. I, I cannot, well, I guess I can't imagine 
the grief and the pain you must be going through because I've gone through the grief and pain of losing my dad. I'm not saying that we're the same and there's, it, 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 it's gotta be a different, I mean, there, there's a sense in which all things are common to man or, or there's nothing that you're going to go through. That's not, that not common to man, but I'm not, in other words, I, I'm, I'm trying to relate to you in, in a very awkward way. I can I can imagine the grief and the pain that you're still feeling. However, the fact that he's obeyed the gospel, man, alive. I can't imagine that. That anyway, that, that's wonderful, wonderful news. All right, so I'm going to play this commercial, and if you know anybody that might need something done like this, um, get her. Let, let let me know. Turn them on. Turn them on to me. Um. So yeah, now he's in the hospital. Terry says. John Exum says, pray for my dad, Jimmy. His kidney functions down to 40% and he's diabetic. Oof, that's rough, John. I hate to hear that. And we'll definitely keep him in in our prayers. All right. So before we get into the meat of our podcast, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. This is uh, a word from our sponsor, Lindsay, uh, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Are you looking to spread the word about your next church event in style? Lindsay Dotson is your go-to designer for church-related advertisements that truly stand out. When it's time to invite members to your upcoming event or share the news of a special gathering, trust Lindsay to deliver vibrant flyers that capture attention and set the tone, memorable postcards that carry your heartfelt message, eye-catching social media graphics perfect for sharing across all platforms. With a keen understanding of the needs of the events of the Christian community, Lindsay crafts designs that not only look great, but also resonate deeply with your congregation. Get in touch with Lindsay Dotson today to elevate your church event promotions to the next level. Message her on Facebook or shoot her an email at lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Share your church's special moments and announcements in the most visually stunning way with Lindsay Dotson's expert touch. Reach out now and let your event shine. All right. Doesn't she do a good job? That's, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to show that commercial is because it actually showcases some of the things she's done in the past. Planning on preaching through the book of Genesis soon. This takes me back to Brother Bland's class at MSOP. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. I loved I loved sitting through uh, sitting in Billy Bland's class and uh, talking about Genesis. I'll tell you a funny story, then we'll get into the podcast. I promise. So it's weird that students come into the Memphis School of Preaching and they think they know a little something, and and it may be a testament to how low the bar is for the members of the Lord's Church nowadays that a student coming in the Memphis School of Preaching thinks they know something because they've differentiated themselves from the, the, the pack back home. Well, we had this kid in our class. I'm sitting on the front row, and in, in Genesis, this is the first quarter of the first year. We're all little bitty baby preaching students, and – this cat behind me in the second or third row back uh, asked a question. Brother Bland, Billy Bland, professor at the Memphis School of Preaching. Uh, he's either the assistant director or the co-director. I don't know what his exact title is. But, I mean, like, he's no joke. 
Well, once Brother Bland answered the question, this other kid raised his hand. Brother Bland calls on him and said something to the effect to clear up what you just said. Like implying that Brother Bland didn't answer the question very well. And Brother Bland, I remember, of course, those of you that are listening to this after the fact or listening to this on podcast form or something, you're not going to be able to see me do this. But Brother Bland, whenever he gets kind of like, what? It's got, it's kind of like a Barney Fife look when he does it like what? And he kind of shakes his head like he's shaking off what he just heard. And so whenever this kid raised his hand and said, well, to, to clear up what you said and brother Bland just kind of did that, huh? And it, it just went downhill from there. And, and that kid ended up not graduating, but it's so weird. It's so weird that, that some of these kids go to Memphis school of preaching or bear Valley or Southeast Institute of biblical studies, or, you know, any, any one of our brotherhood Bible colleges. And, um, they think they know a little something. It's so funny. Uh, anyway, that's that that doesn't have that story doesn't have anything to do with the podcast, except maybe we're going to talk about ten biblical principles for life, and one of the biblical principles may help us here. Um, thank you very much, Pearl. There, those are some beautiful designs, and I said thank you like I made them. I mean, Lindsay Dotson made them. Anyway, um, let me. I'm going to put up the tip jar. And again, the only reason I do this because some folks have asked me. And I cannot believe we have 20 people in the live stream. Remember, remember, folks, like, subscribe, and share. If you're if you're if you're if you've consumed our content at all, interact with it, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Now, let me get in here to where we get our well, first off, let me tell you why you're getting this podcast today. I read on Facebook, hold on a second. Yeah, right here. I read on Facebook a post that Michael Knowles, he's a political pundit in the United States that has a political podcast. He's very right-leaning. He's conservative. He's a Republican. Well, I don't know if he claims to be a Republican. I mean, he, again, it's, he, he doesn't try to hide the ball. He, he's biased, okay? But I like him, and I like listening to his podcast. Um, Drew, talking about Drew, um, Andrew Claven, an older man there at the Daily Wire, Andrew Claven gave me two pieces of good advice when I got married. First, don't sleep with other people. Second, throw feminism out the window. It's poison. It's totally fake. It will make both of you miserable. And man, I, I'm, I'm like, that, that's such profound advice that should be so ingrained into the core of our being that it should go without saying, hey, you getting married? Don't sleep with other people and throw feminism out the window. Now, we don't want to make this a political show, but why, why, would, why would the advice be given to throw feminism out the window for a newlywed couple? Because if we're going to do things the Bible way, and quite frankly, I think the Bible way is the better way. Actually, I think the Bible way is the best way. Then you're not going to be a feminist in your household. You're going to allow the man to lead. The man is going to step up and lead. 
And if you do that, then you will have a really good life. And you'll have a better life than you would normally have, okay? Um, I think about Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, for he gave himself for it. Wives, be in submission to your own husbands as you would unto the Lord. If, If the husband loves his wife the way Christ loved the church, and the wife submits to her husband the way the the way she should submit to the Lord, then that will be a much better marriage in any sociopolitical environment than it would otherwise be if you had a modern understanding of marriage. Um, Tony, just a heads up, check the spelling of the PayPal account in the description box below the video in case folks are not getting the right address. Uh Uh-oh. N-E-A-R-C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S. I I think that's it. WW yeah, because that, that's my okay. Let me explain what this near churches is. Whenever I was in Arkansas, we had a, a little we had a show called the We Talk Truth Group, or with the We Talk Truth Podcast. It was me, Brock Kendall, and Aaron Dotson. And we um we aired it in the We Talk Truth group. Now I don't do a, I don't do anything with the We Talk Truth group anymore. I want to convert everything over to Christianity now because a we're no longer in Arkansas. B it's just me and Aaron Dotson, and C just cause. Um, but near churches stands for Northeast Arkansas churches at gmail dot com. So I'm thinking I've got it. Oh, wait, it says missing the H in church. Well, hold on a sec. How's it missing the H on church on YouTube? Oh, sword and pearl. I will. Yes. Good deal. I will change that. Um, you know what stinks? That means, because I copy and paste that over, that means that, yeah, yep, yep, yep. All right, hold on a second. Uh, We can do a one-time near C-H. Oh, wow. N-E-A-R-C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S. N-E-A-R-C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S. All right, we have saved that. It should be changed. It'd probably have to update till after the show is over on the YouTube to change it. But man, I really appreciate that. Um, good deal. <laughs> All right. Um, wow. Okay. Now, where was I? Oh yeah. The, the life advice. Um, so the reason you're getting this podcast, and thank you so much for that sword and pearl. I appreciate you. And Hey, Hey, Alabama says, I miss, we talk truth. Hey, I tell you what I miss. We talk truth too. But my vision for the We Talk Truth was a safe space where Christians could come in and ask questions and ask any kind of questions. Well, I've got a reputation for being a like a person that's hard to get along with. And let me tell you why I've got that reputation. Because there would be preachers come into the We Talk Truth group and they would try to take over and they would stifle the discussion. And I would kick them out of the group. 
And then all of a sudden, well, Tony just kicks people out that he don't agree with. I'm like, no, I don't kick people out. Like there are people that vehemently disagree with me with whom I vehemently disagree about certain things that I'm still associated with, that I have interactions with on Facebook. I will never, ever, ever, not ever, never, ever kick somebody out or delete somebody's comment that's being respectful and trying to learn or trying to at least show a mutual respect. It's whenever somebody comes in and tries to take over. And I ain't going to lie to you. It just, it, it, it got more than I could bear because, well, I mean, people, the, and again, it, it wasn't quote unquote regular folk. It was gospel preachers that would come in. I'm, I tried to explain to them like, look, this is, and at the time, this was overseen by the Bay Church of Christ. So I was doing this under the authority of my eldership. Like that was back before we were trying to get support for money and stuff like that. It was actually overseen. Like Christianity now is a work of me and Aaron Dotson. It's not overseen by an eldership. It's our private ministry that's a private business and all that good stuff. But the We Talk Truth and the Near Churches, that that was overseen by, by a local congregation. And an eldership. So what I tried to explain to people is like, look, what you're doing whenever you're coming in and you're trying to start stuff and you're, and, and I, I know they were, so that, that's an indictment of intent. I try not to ever, I try not to ever get sucked into that trap. Um, I don't know what their intention was, but what they were doing is coming in and starting stuff and they were stifling conversation and they want, they were coming in and and being in the one up position to to be the teacher. And I'm like that's not what I want in a group. Like me and Aaron and the other moderators, we're the ones that have the final say, you know. And if you don't like that, then you don't need to be in here. And they didn't like it, and so they wouldn't. Once I wouldn't allow them to take over the group. Then it was, well, you just don't like people that disagree with you. And I'm like, I kicked you out because you were arguing with a person that I disagreed with and I agreed with your position. So how is that the case? Anyway, um, that's it. First Corinthians six. Don't, don't, don't air your dirty laundry. And, uh, that's it. I, I just, yeah, I block people that want to argue for just the sake of arguing. Um, and again, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. And again, that, that doesn't mean that you don't ever have conflict. That don't mean that you never, that you never quarrel. It's just, and the funny thing is, and this, this is why I kind of backed off of the group is because I had these preachers come in. I, I'm, I all, it, it wouldn't do any good, but. Like all of the stuff is still there. It's just nobody can see it but the administrator of the group, which is me. But just putting it all together and say, look, here's here's an example of the gaslighting. It it was the equivalent of coming in, hitting me in the face, jumping back and saying, Look, my my hand is broke. Look what he did to me. Blew my mind. Anyway, I don't want to I don't want to get on that. I just I miss the We Talk Truth group as well. We should be able to have the We Talk Truth group and something like it, but I don't know. 
And I do miss We Talk Truth because I enjoyed the conversations that uh, Brock Kendall, Aaron Dotson, and myself had. So anyway, and we're trying to recreate that somewhat with the Christianity Now uh, Tuesday show. Uh, in fact, next week, um, oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure some have probably marked and disfellowshipped you for that. Uh, they, they have. In fact, the, 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 the straw, well, no, this wasn't the straw that really broke the camel's back. But this, this is the one that really turned me on to what was going on because it showed that it was bigger than what I was doing is one fella come in. His name's John. Um, I can't remember his name. He has a Carolina messenger. I don't care to call his name. Um, he came in and for about three or four days, every time that I would make a comment, he would offer a dissent. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to manage this group. Anyway, I ended up, it was, it was over God's second law of pardon. And I took, I, I took the, um, I took the position of Dan Winkler and he didn't, he, he, he disagreed. I just, I, I got tired of it. I just deleted his comment. And of course I got a private message and said, I was told that the, we talk truth group was a good group, but that it was run by Tony Brewer. And Tony Brewer has a hard time discussing the Bible with people that he disagrees with. And I just kind of went off on him. I kind of look, if that's the case, I said, I'm not going to defend myself against that stupidity, but if that's actually the case and I am what you've been told that I am, the fact that you came here and threw down the gauntlet says way more about you than it says about me. I mean, if I'm just a quarrelsome fella that can't get along with anybody and you come up into my house and you strike me, well, that's on you, buddy. So I said, I want to know who it was. And he, of course, he wouldn't tell me. He's a coward. I mean, and it's terrible. I have zero respect for him. There's a vast dis difference between disagreement with respect and one that meets you with utter disrespect. All the name calling, the aim to discredit, no real intentions to grow. Absolutely. Uh, John Exum says, I know who you are, and I've had the same. Whoops. We jumped, John. Where'd, 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 your, where'd, where'd it go? I know who you were talking about, and I've had the same issue. And, uh, yeah, Ben Grady, there's a difference in heart. And they will answer for that. You got that right. And I made a post that Christians are not sinners, and he dissented. Yeah, it's crazy. And I don't know what this is, but it's 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 where people, and th this gets, and you know what? To be honest, if I, the very first piece of life advice is communicate openly and honestly. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, James 1.19. Effective communication is a cornerstone of successful relationships, reflecting a commitment to truth and understanding. Well, these these people that were coming in, they didn't they 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 did not have they didn't have a they didn't have a, a respect or commitment to truth and understanding. It is an elitist attitude. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And I mean, I'm just I was like I was done. You know, you're you're not going to do that. 
And I tried to explain to these people, like, look, this is this is my ministry. What you are doing is the equivalent of coming into my Bible class on a Wednesday night in person and disrupting the class. How long do you think it would last if I went into the congregation where they preached and every time they said something in a Bible class, raised my hand and started to argue with them? How long do you think it would be before the eldership would pull me aside and say, hey, man, you need to keep your mouth shut or go down the road? It does bring reproach on the church. It sure does. Hey, hey, Alabama says, I just unsubbed from his newsletter. I didn't mean to, to make you do that. I'm just, it, it just, it, and, and again, he's not the only one. There were like seven or eight others, you know, and they all run in the same circle and they all have that sickly sweet kind of pseudo saccharine way of being, it's, it's not passive aggressive. But it's it's nicey mean or meany nice. I don't know how to explain it. I'm to speak straight out of the front of your mouth. Don't 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 condescend and and then expect me to just turn over my group to you. Anyway. Communicate openly and honestly. That's number one. We're gonna try to wrap this group we're gonna try to wrap this list up in ten minutes. All right. Number two. Save for the future. Now, here, here's the in order to get on this list, three criteria simple advice, practical advice, and it should go without saying. So, it should go without saying that we should communicate openly and honestly. In other words, don't come, don't come to somebody and be subvertive, don't be coy, don't just just ask your question straight out you know uh or or make an accusation listen if you if you come if i come to john exum i'll say hey john last week on december the 29th well look john i was out in town and i'm talking to john exum i i was i was out in in hannibal missouri and I saw somebody that looked just like you, and they was with a woman that didn't look much like your wife at all. I would rather somebody do that than beat around the bush and have that pseudo-saccharine kind of sickly sweet way of talking that's kind of veiled and all that good stuff. So John could say, look, I'm prepared for this. I have a doppelganger in Hannibal, Missouri. He looks just like me. And then, boom, look, I took a picture of him. Well, lo and behold, that's the fella that I saw. Okay, we're cleared up. Let's move on. That's how men talk. That's a masculine way of communicating, all right? Now, you ladies that are not masculine, I'm not saying that you need to adopt a masculine way, but practice being up front. Practice just speaking straight out of the front of your mouth. And that's man or woman. It was good for the goose. It was good for the gander, all right? Um, <laughs> and little did you know that was my grandmother, John, this is my scenario. This is my scenario. And, and the woman in my scenario, in my, in my head that I made up this situation, she wasn't old enough to be your grandmama. 
Absolutely, Terry. Uh, I would like you to explain to uh, the, the <laughs> there's a typo. I can't explain it to Jesus. Um, I would like you to explain Jesus washing his disciples' feet. I see some people in the church doing it in some, I see some people doing it in some churches. Uh, if you have time, I will. I tell you what, I, I, I won't do it today because I want to get through these. Um, I want to get through these, uh, these biblical, these life advice, but I will do that. What I may do is because I want to put more content out, short form content, like, like released videos to, to boost the algorithm. And I'm, I'll do that one in one of those videos and I'll do it soon because I want to, I need to put out another video, like a, like a 10 minute video. I can do a 10 minute explainer video about the washing of the feet. Okay. Uh, now, all right, so it's practical, it's simple, and it should go without saying that we should communicate openly and honestly. Um, number two, say for the future. Practical advice, simple advice, it should go without saying. Proverbs is a book filled with wisdom. It advises there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man spendeth it up. We don't need to be foolish. We need to save. I think about the parable of the grasshopper and the ant. The, the ants worked all, all during the spring and the summer and on into fall. And when the hard time of winter come, they had plenty of food to get them through the hard times because they laid by in store. The grasshopper. He sang a song that the world owes me a living. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you may die. Well, eat, drink, and be merry, people. They have a rougher life than the let's save up for the future. Incidentally, Proverbs 21.10 is the verse. Saving and prudent management of resources are principles that lead to stability and contentment. And incidentally, a wise man, a good man, lays up treasure for his children's children. Now, that is not something that Labeth and I have been able to do. I say that. If I play on what my father did, my children will get some inheritance. But that's only because I'm, I'm privileged to come from a family where there was good work ethic and we had wise people in our past that laid up in store. Now, I'm not talking millions and millions. I'm talking about thousands and thousands. Okay. Number three. Simple advice, practical advice, it should go without saying, respect others. Peter the apostle exhorted believers to honor all men, to love the brotherhood, to fear God, to honor the king. First Peter 2, 17. Now, some of these verses are taken out of their context in a gentle way to, to, to illustrate this, but I promise you I'm not harming the context. So respect is a fundamental Christian virtue. It, it acknowledges the value that God places on every individual. I think about even, you know, you and I, we've, we've, we've set through this lecture, uh, this live stream about pseudo social or parasocial relationships, not pseudo, but parasocial relationships. Like, I don't know y'all, not really. You don't know me, not really, but I do know, but I do know 
that the sword and the pearl, even though I don't know her personally, even though if she apparated and just appeared right in front of me, I wouldn't recognize her. I do know that the sword and the pearl, uh, that Terry Crooks, who else is, is con- Hey, Hey, Alabama. I've never met any of these folks, but I know that those accounts represent human beings. And that human being is a precious soul for whom Christ died. Therefore, I need to treat these people with respect, even in an online situation. Um, John Exum and Ben Grady, I've ate supper with y'all. So I know y'all know y'all. Well, I mean, how much more so then would we respect and acknowledge the value that God places on every individual? And I like what Ben Grady said here. If you love your brother, you'll first assume the bre- the, the best. And I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Go read the wonderful chapter of love. Number four, this one made my toes sore. Take care of your health. It ought to go without saying. It's simple. It's practical. Let me go read the the passage I picked out here. Remember, I, I pulled some of this out of its context a little bit. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Folks, I have not been the best steward of the body that God gave me. If I'd have had any idea of what I was back whenever I was in the prime of my life, well, there's no telling what I would be today. I was 300 pounds, and I run a five flat in a 40. My 40-yard dash, I could run a 40-yard dash in five seconds flat. Now, that's not very fast if you're 5'10 and 130 pounds. But that's real fast when you're 6'2 and 280. I'm telling you. And I'm... I just let it go. I didn't understand. I, 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 I was so stressed out that when I got to the Memphis School of Preaching, I didn't have enough bandwidth to consider my, my bodily health. And I, I, it should have been like, you dummy, you're, you're, you're not being physical. You're setting for six hours a day in a classroom. You're setting for six hours outside of that or longer. You're eating the, as you're eating the same amount of calories as whenever you were bicycling and working hard for a living as far as physically with your body. Well, I gained a hundred pounds in 12 months. John, I remember a few weeks ago, I talked about this and Jonathan put the, uh, the MSOP 40, like gaining 40 pounds, buddy. I gained way more than 40 pounds. I blew that out of the water. But we're trying to get it back now. So um, the body isn't ours as Christians. It's to be used for the service of the Lord. Why don't we hear lessons on this? Because most preachers, well, I, I, that was a generality. I, it, look, I'm just going to say it. Most preachers are fat. 
Now, not all of them, but, and, and look, I'm the one. Like, look, look, me, I'm fat. But, but we need, well, you're right. We need to hear more lessons on that. We need to hear more lessons on that. Think about in Western culture, the, the problem, the, the problem with obesity. Um, hey, hey, Alabama, neither have I, and I knew better. I let others, whoops. Neither have I, and I knew better. I let others keep me from it. Back on track now, I have a stress-eating problem that I have to control. Hey, hey, Alabama, I am an emotional eater. I eat for comfort. I eat for stress. I eat when I'm thinking. If we go hang out, I want to eat. The way that I have learned to combat that is being very, very restrictive on what I eat. Now, the problem is, well, I don't, I don't want to get too much into it. I've got to be careful right now. I'm, I'm working on being very, very disciplined. My goal is for the first three months of this year is to be very, very disciplined with eating almost zero carbohydrates. For one, my body does not function well on carbohydrates. 48 hours after I started eating uh, meat only, I felt like Superman. And I told my wife, who's a therapist, by the way, and she she it hurts her to see me go through this because, you know, she she knows the underlying factors and she knows I probably need some help. I probably need to get a therapist. Um, your Your wife really can't therapize you. Or your or your good buddy. Anyway, um, but the the point I'm making is eating keto, eating carnivore. Within 48 hours of starting it, like I felt like Superman. I told my wife, I said, "Listen, I'm going to get to where I really want to get some carbs. I want to eat a piece of cake. I want to eat a pizza or whatever." Would you please forcefully, if you have to, remind me of how terrible my body feels on carbohydrates and how good my body feels when I eat very little carbohydrates? So she's going to, and uh, I'm praying for you to be successful in your journey. I can't eat store-bought breads. They settle my stomach like a sack of wet rags. Absolutely. And, And you know what? Keep me in your prayers. I'll pray for you. And it is hard because so many things are inverted. I'm not meaning to guilt anyone. No, I got you. No, you don't. You're not guilting me. I'm already guilted. Um, so the sword and the pearl says to Hey Hey Alabama that local, organic, and seasonal. You inspired me this week to start buying just that. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Um, take care of your health. All right. It's simple. It's practical. It should go without saying, but this boy didn't do it. So he needed, he needed it. Um, and Ben, whenever you get your seminar developed, I want you to let me know. And, uh, well, we'll talk more about that. All right. Number five, this is the look. I know Proverbs 27, one and two says, don't be bragging allow me a little bit of godly pride and it would it be possible to be braggadocious in a godly way 
I love th- this one. I think I've got now. I feel like Paul. I've count my. I count not myself to evaporate it, but one thing. Paul, Paul felt like he'd only figured out to do one thing. Well, what is it, Paul? Well, I forget the things that are behind, and I learn how to press toward the mark. Well, I have learned how to learn continuously. So number five is learn continuously. Proverbs, again, provides guidance stating, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, Proverbs 1.5. The pursuit of knowledge and wisdom is a lifelong endeavor that deepens our understanding of God and his creation. I absolutely love to sit down and talk to people where there's a mutual respect, but they hold different positions than me because I want the positions that I hold to be tested. I, I, I love talking to people about the gift of the Holy Spirit who, who respect me and I respect them and they can have a good conversation and we can, we can try to destroy each other's conviction because you know what? If my conviction gets destroyed, I'm going to change it because I, I love the idea of continuously learning. Um, that's awesome. All right. Um, there, I, I, it's awesome that this, this commentary is going on in the, not commentary. This conversation is going on in the, in the live stream. I, I tell you what. Okay, so there's Ben is on Facebook, but there's two people on YouTube. I don't know if all of y'all are talking to each other, but all of you can see the comments on the screen. I need to redo my my overlay, and and take this Christianity Now logo down. Um. Or at least move it. Let me show you. Right there. Now you can see all of it, but you don't get my, you don't get my nifty little. All right, I'm just gonna leave this down for a while, and that way y'all can see the, y'all can see the comments better. All right, number six. Well, so so number five, learn continuously. Again, practical, simple. It should go without saying, but it doesn't. All right. Number six, prioritize family and friends. Folks, you have to have a tribe. Now, the cool thing about Christianity, it's the found family trope. I love movies about found family. You know, when your mama kisses you on the cheek and says how handsome of a boy you are, you kind of like, yeah, Mama, I know, but you got to say that. Whenever the little girl in sixth grade sends you a note and says, I like you, you're cute, oh, she ain't got to do that, so it means more. I don't know why it means more, but it means more. Your family is going to be there for you no matter what. Ups and downs. If you got a healthy family, you may not have a healthy family. You may just, I mean, some people, I mean, let's face it. Some people get smucks, schmucks, I should say, but your family and your friends, I, I would just, you know what? If I had to redo this list, I may just say prioritize your found family, whether it's blood family or whether it's people that's integrated into your social circle because you found them. 
So Paul emphasizes in his letters the importance of family and community. He advises Timothy, the young preacher, to learn how to manage his household well as a prerequisite for leadership in the Lord's church, a prerequisite for being elder, 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 5. Folks, relationships form the fabric of a meaningful life. And if you prioritize your found family, these people that you build relationships with, then you're always going to have a tribe. You're always going to have a group. Start where you are. You know, I've, I've talked about polishing the pulpit quite a bit. Man, polishing the pulpit's awesome. I can go to polishing the pulpit, and for a week, I can get like 12 hours of lectures a day if I got the gumption to do it. The problem, my critique of polishing the pulpit has nothing to do with polishing the pulpit, but it has everything to do with how my brethren view it and use it. And I hear my brethren talking about, oh, polishing the pulpit's over. I'm going to have to wait for a whole week to be edified, or for a whole year to be edified. I'm like, if you have to wait for a whole year to be edified, then you're doing Christianity wrong because you should get that same edification every week at the Lord's church where you attend. This is from your found family. So just think about that. Prioritize these relationships, but prioritize the relationships where you are. You know, I I wish I, I probably something I should have researched before the podcast, but scientists, (laughs) scientists, whatever, people that know these things, they've done these studies and they have come up with this, this that's that's said is true so i trust it the human beings really only have the bandwidth to have it's it's a finite amount of relationships that you can maintain so that means that if somebody is your friend and they're calling to check on you and they're trying to build a relationship with you that that's a special thing and we should really prioritize those And we should prioritize being found family with the people that are closest to us in proximity. I think about Proverbs chapter 18, the very last verse, I believe. A friend's got to show himself friendly, but there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If you want that friend that sticks closer than a brother, you've got to be a friend first. All right. Number seven. This goes along with a couple of the others we've looked at. Live below your means. Practical, simple, should go without saying. If you make 100000 a year, try to live like you make seventy. If you make 70000 a year, try to live like you make fifty. If you make 50000 a year, try to live like you make thirty. And you'd be surprised. You know, LaBeth and I have talked before and like, you know, I wish we could live as cheap whenever we were making good money as we did whenever we were not making any money. It's real easy to live frugally whenever you're not making any money at all. But it's like the more money you make, the the easier it is to start doing things you – when I say doing things you are not, I'm not talking about sinning. 
I'm just talking about, oh, well, you know, we're going to go out to eat this week. Well, didn't we go out to eat last week? Yeah, but look, I just got a raise. All right, well, the the feast is now, but the famine will come. So learn to live below your means. Goodyear Tire and Rubber uh, in Union City, Tennessee, was known to produce what's called in that Obine County as $40,000 a year millionaires. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, these Goodyear Tire and Rubber people, they were making $20 an hour. $20 an hour on a 40-hour work week is $40,000 a year. Let me, you know what? Before somebody fact checks me, let me, let me do the math. 40 hours a week times 52 weeks is 2,080 hours. That times $20 an hour is $41,600. So $20 an hour at 40 hours a week is a $40,000 salary. But the cool thing about Goodyear is if you work Sunday, you got double time. And if you worked above 40 hours and then worked Sunday, it was double time and then a half again on the double, not the base. And so there, there were people who were working seven days a week at Goodyear, and they worked seven days a week for like 20 years because they lived at the $100,000 a year that they were making. And this was, this was back in the 80s. So, you know, well, let me do this. Uh, a hundred thousand U.S. dollars uh, in nineteen eighty-five in today uh, adjusted in today's market. All right. How much would a hundred thousand dollars and yeah, a hundred thousand dollars in nineteen eighty five would be worth two hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars today? All right. Now, why did these folks at Goodyear Tire and Rubber, these forty thousand dollar a year millionaires, why did they work seven days a week, twenty years of some of them, and they worked themselves to death? They all had ex-wives. They had children they were estranged from. And so you had a, a man that was working that kind of hours, shacked up with a woman living in a single wide trailer with a $40,000 bass boat, a $30,000 or, or, or $30, truck and a $20,000 bass boat and paying alimony and child support to two other women. Well, he had to live that way because he didn't live below his means. Think about what you could do if you started a Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company when you were out of high school and you worked for 20 years making $60,000 an hour, but you lived as if you only made 40 and you put 20 a year in investment. Folks, live below our means. I have a family member that gets mad and wants to know why it's always on them. And I tell them they need to be friends 
They, they need to be the friend. They need someone else to be to them. They just don't want, they just want others to do it for them. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Live below your means. Uh, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Luke 12, verse 15. Contentment and financial stewardship are marks of wisdom and faith. Folks, live below, live below your means. It's simple, it's practical, and it should go without saying, but it doesn't. Number next, be humble and grateful. Hmm. But he hath told thee, O man, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God, Micah 6, 8. Humility and gratitude shape a life that honors God and serves others. You know, the, the Pharisees were, were so nitpicky. The Pharisee, Jesus, like, look, what would he scribes and Pharisees? You hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, but you leave undone the weightier matters of the law justice, mercy, faith, these ought you to have done and not to have left these others undone. You blind guides, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Folks, I want to be known for justice, mercy, and faith. I want to be known for justice and mercy and walking humbly with my God. You know the difference between an arrogant person and a humble person. I, you might not be able to articulate it, but you know the difference. Um, yeah, so for time constraint, let's move on. Number nine, help others. Practical, simple, should go without saying. Hebrews 10, 24. Now that's associated with the worship service, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves as others, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much. Why can I not quote that? All right. Let me go to Hebrews and use my trusty rusty E sword. Come on, Tony. Oh, good grief. And let us consider one another. I was quoting the wrong verse. I said I said about the worship service, and it made me go to 1025. I no wonder it sounded weird. Anyway, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Now, again, that, that's in relation to the liturgical service of the new covenant. But the principle, would it not be a good thing to consider one another and provoke one another to love and good works? You know, like I want to hang around John Exum because he's going to make me want to be a better person. I want to hang around Ben Grady because he's going to make me want to be a better person. He's going to provoke me to love and good works. Be that kind of person. Help others. Don't be judgmental. Be curious. You know, ask questions, but don't be judgmental. You're going to run into people different from you. You're going to run into people that you know, might rub you the wrong way or might be doing things that you don't like that you can't that you can't really be a part of, but don't be judgmental at the beginning. Just ask, you know, be curious. And it may be that because of your humility and your gratitude and because of the fact that you're showing them love and respect and you're building connection, you will be a great help to them. You know, like if, like if you were up here 
and 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 it was time to eat supper. And you've heard me talk about how I want to get healthy, but then you see me eat a big old piece of cake. Don't judge me. In other words, don't condemn me, but help me. Say, hey, Tony, I am curious as to why you're eating that cake after what you said on the live stream. And then that might be enough. Oh, man, you're right. I, that's terrible. I don't need to eat this cake. I need to cook up some bacon. You know, because it's not sweet, doesn't have any sugar, no carbohydrates. Anyhow, help others. Number 10, take responsibility for your actions. Without number 10, nothing else matters. Ezekiel 18, verse 20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Your daddy's righteousness or wickedness is not going to affect your righteousness or wickedness. You're going to stand or fall for the things that you do. Old Tony's going to stand or fall because of the thing that he does. So personal accountability and repentance are fundamental to spiritual growth and integrity. Folks, we got to take accountability for our actions. If, if you do something wrong, just admit it. You know, I, I'm, I think about this all the time. I'm very introspective and I'm like, you know, I used to, you know, this, this one person used to reach out to me, uh, Ben Grady, I can do you one better tomorrow morning. So I, I incorporated this into an article on Substack called timeless wisdom for everyday life, 10 biblical principles to guide you on your journey. And, um, this article will drop tomorrow morning and you can copy and paste it and do with it what you will. But yes, yes, you can absolutely have that list. And I'll, when it drops, I'll, I'll drop the link into your private message if you want me to, or, or wait, hold on. Let, uh, well, I'm, I'm a terrible content creator. Hold on. Or you can go to, Oh, hold on there. You can go to substack.com and, and subscribe to my Substack for free. And you can get all the articles that I put out at Christianity now puts out anyway, sorry, stumbled attempted at humor, but, um, it is, it is humbling and, and, and affirming that you ask for that list. Um, all right, folks, these pieces of advice. Oh, I never did finish the thought. I'm introspective and you know, it may be that in the beginning you had somebody really kind of coming on strong to try to develop a relationship with you. And then they kind of back off. Well, you know what? I just let them, I just give them space because there might be something about me. They don't like, I'm not going to go to them and be like, Hey, you're no longer calling me. You're no longer wanting to hang out with me. Do you have a problem with me? No, I'm just going to give them space. I'm going to think, well, when did they stop hanging out? What was it about me? I've, I've obviously done something now that does, again, you've got to be, I'm not saying that you never go talk to a person that you think you've offended. That would be in violation of Matthew chapter five and Matthew chapter 18. But what I'm talking about is if, if like, for instance, if there's a person at the congregation where you worship and you, they used to come over and talk to you all the time, but now they're going over to talk to somebody else. 
I, I can say this pretty bluntly because I'm talking about me. Don't be so neurotic. Just let them do it. Because you know what? They may like that person better than you, and that's okay. And there may be something about you that you need to change, but you don't want to make a big enough deal about it to cause a conflict. So you just take responsibility for who you are and your actions and your behaviors and be like, all right, um, I can remember the last three times we've talked. And every time that person brought something up, I took the conversation away from them and I made it about me. What a bonehead move. I can't believe I did that. And you know what? I do that. I, I, I try not to. I get so excited. And it's, it's, it's just I try to work on it, you know. So anyway, I don't know if what I said was helpful or not. But anyhow, these pieces of advice underpinned by scriptural wisdom provide a roadmap for a life that's not only fulfilling, but it's pleasing to God. Now, you understand you've got to obey the gospel. That, that's given that you've obeyed the gospel. These are simple yet profound, practical yet spiritually enriching, reflecting the deep truths found in the Bible. By embracing these principles, we can navigate the complexities of life with grace and strength grounded in the eternal wisdom of Scripture. And I will close by this, or with this. Titus 2, 11 and following, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you follow these 10 principles, you can live a life of sober, uh, soberly and righteously, but these principles will not make you godly. If you want to know how to be godly, you have to be in Christ. And there's only one way to do that. You've got to obey the gospel. Folks, regardless of how much wisdom you have in your life, in this life, we have to be in a covenant relationship with Jesus to enjoy life in the next. And that's what I would hope for every one of us that's listened to this today. Folks, I think I'm done. Uh, I really appreciate every one of you. Thank you so much. Ben, I'll, um, when that link drops tomorrow, I'll copy and paste it to you. Either that or just go and subscribe on the Substack. And uh, yeah, uh, remember the tip jar. Remember Patreon. Uh, remember uh, Substack. You can do a $5 a month subscription. Um, other than that, awesome. Thank you, Sword and Pearl. Ben says, much appreciated. Appreciate y'all. And uh, yeah, remember remember the folks you said you'd pray for. Don't forget them. I'm one of them. John Exum is the other. Hey, hey, Alabama. Uh, yeah, so keep us in your prayers. And that's all I've got. Be sure to subscribe or uh, or uh, follow us on, on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio, uh, YouTube, all that good stuff. And that's it. God bless you. This has been Tony Brew with Cogitations, powered by Christianity Now, and we'll catch you. Ben Grady, we will definitely pray for you as well, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side.